Hi, and welcome to the Trailbusters podcast, where we talk everything outdoors and adventures. I'm Ethan. I'm Bing. And I'm Will. And this week, we're going to be talking about ways to be greener on the trail. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I see a lot of people engage in the outdoors in ways that just aren't sustainable, like littering, leaving trash, waste everywhere, feeding animals, um, sometimes, you know, destroying nature or damaging the natural environment. And, you know, that stuff's obviously um, not ideal. But even if you are doing your best and in good faith, trying to be like a good steward of the wild, I think there's ways we could all improve. So yeah, it's going to be yeah, really useful. Definitely. Like I, I do see a lot of people, I guess newcomers to the trails, just bring their um, urban mentality uh, per se. So kind of the lifestyle that you see in the cities and stuff like that out into nature and uh, not really adjusting for uh, for that. So it's uh, it's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think on the trail, um, we've talked about on the show before some kind of leave no trace principles in the past of like uh, making sure not to litter and things like that. So really um, being a big part of that is being mindful of the gear you're bringing in and making sure everything you bring in with you, you're going to be comfortable and capable of bringing it out with you. Um, I usually do that by making sure, you know, I've got some sort of... um, trash bag I'm bringing with me so that when I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, a a lot of the food has different like plastic wrappers and stuff like that. Um, when you get backpacking meals, um, which we can get into the ethics of that in itself a little bit later, but, uh, a lot of that stuff produces, you know, a little bit of garbage, you know, make sure you can carry that out with you um, very easily. So, um, anything that's going to be like taking it up, up an excessive amount of space, uh, I think that's why a lot of parks like Algonquin don't allow glass containers, for example, because um, if you bring in a bunch of beer bottles, then people have more of a tendency to not want to carry around empty glass bottles for the rest of their trip once they're done with them. Like when they have beer in them, they've got value to you. You're going to carry them. But when they're empty, it's a lot of weight, noise, odor even. Um, so it, it can encourage people to litter more. Um, so I think... There's, that's always something to keep in mind when you're packing your gear, um, is make sure you can bring it all out with you. Mm-hmm, for sure. And speaking of bottles, I think um, just reducing plastics in general is a, is a great idea. Like we do, a, we do a lot to bring our own bottles in, reuse, reuse it a bunch of times and refill mm-hmm. it. Um, I, I guess we all use now jeans or uh, a similar plastic bottle, but I don't know. Like, do you think it'll be better to use something like aluminum or some other material to contain water? Oh, I use a plastic now jean. Um, but that's interesting. Sometimes the mm-hmm. now jeans are like recycled plastic. So right. yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I don't know. I haven't run into any like strong opinions either way. I don't think. Right. Yeah, I think um, you can, that's that's a tricky question because I think using something like a Nalgene is a lot better for the environment than, say, a disposable plastic bottle, like you said. Although, um, there are also some trade-offs there too, but I mean, you do have a lifetime for that Nalgene bottle and what happens to it and what it's done or whatever type of maintain like plastic bottle you're using. No, um, and and. Another thing to consider, too, is a lot of times with those recycled materials, um, you don't have that life cycle uh, reusability after you've turned like a recycled water bottle plastic from disposable water bottles into something else. It's usually not then re-recyclable. 
So even though the Nalgene or the whatever, we keep jumping on that one brand, even though, you know, your reusable plastic water bottle might be made from recycled plastics, it doesn't necessarily mean that that is then again recyclable. That's kind of like the, can often be the end of the life for that product. Right. Um, so, mm-hmm. so that that's is, really, that is an interesting... That's a really good point because I think that's, can, that's the same kind of argument that could be said for any other materials that you use for um, for carrying water and any kind of containers as well, right? Um, but I think for for us per se, I think we do a pretty good job in terms of just having these recyclable containers to contain food, to contain water and, and that kind of stuff to be able to reuse it, bring it out, reuse it again when you come to the next trip and that kind of stuff. Like you see our bottles, they're all like beat up and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's a bit of consumerism in like the outdoor like equipment industry. Like I think about even like, you know, good supposedly like, you know, good uh, outdoor outfitters, companies like Mech or REI and, you know, they, they, they really, they're trying to make a buck and they often encourage you to like take a very consumeristic attitude towards outfitting yourself. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to not like buy all the little hoo-hahs and gadgets, <laughs> you know, that they're trying to sell you. Like you don't need like a, you know, you don't need all the different little single use tools that you think, oh, you never know. I might need this like solar powered hair dryer you know i don't know you you never know (laughs) you never know but like Mm -hmm. a a general attitude of like being a little bit circumspect about some of the uh, consumerism i I think around outdoor equipment because i i know like going into mech or rei like you you see like the you know doggy camping equipment comes to mind or like all the kind of silly stuff that you don't really need and it's like you know, even if you're trying to be a good environmental conscious person and not, you know, littering and stuff, if you're buying a whole bunch of single use plastics that you never end up really needing, that's wasteful. Mm-hmm. So, so Will, what are kind of your essentials that uh, you are doing well in, in terms of just bringing to the trails? Well, like you said, I think um, I, I always am thoughtful about reusing Nalgene's, um, things like that. Uh, I like the lithium-powered headlamps, as opposed to battery-powered mm, ones. Yes. Uh, I think that's a nice win. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of clothing, I always like to shop at Patagonia, which I know is really expensive, but I like their return policy, and they, they, they repair clothing. And a lot of their stuff is made out of, like, recycled stuff. So although I say that, and, you know, there's there's a bit of debate around Patagonia, which might be interesting to get into here. Mm-hmm. Um so those are some things I haven't gotten into, and I'm sure this is going to come up later, um, but dehydrating my own food. Uh, it's something I, f- I, f- I yeah. feel like I would get into. It d- does seem kind of aligned with my general interest in like home project type of things, but um, I haven't done that yet. I- I'd want to. So I, I think nice. my biggest wasteful thing is like the single packaged plastics for like meal kits and, and things that I bring out. Right. Yeah. I- I, I think I'm in a very similar boat. Um, I try and most of my gear, um, I buy, I try and invest a little bit more in the quality. Um, I, I know, you know, not everybody can afford to always do that. Um, and price isn't always indicative of quality, but I always try and do research to get something that I know is going to last longer. Um, so I'm not wasting that material. Um, and I'm constantly reusing you know, reusing what I can as much as I can. Um, I think one thing I hadn't really thought of too much, but I think it's a really good point you brought up, Will, is the, uh, my headlamps and 
lanterns and things like that that I've brought in the past, a lot of the stuff I have, I've cheaped out on a little bit more. That's one of the areas I haven't put as invested as much into. Um, and I have the, you know, double triple A powered ones. And then those do go through batteries, which are, you know, especially if you don't dispose of them properly can be really bad for the environment. Yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's there's a, a whole nother, another debate outside the realm of what we, our expertise on, mm-hmm. you know, trade-offs of different power like fuel cell technologies for different types of batteries and stuff and their effect on the environment. Um, but it's all, it's really good to consider like the, the life cycle, um, of that, uh, that gear. I think for me, some big improvements would be things like, um, like you said, dehydrating food and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's actually a pretty good point around the kind of, um, the energy source. Like I, I, switched a lot of my gear to solar power uh like mm-hmm. my lamp for example i keep it on my backpack when i hike so it charges in the day uh, my battery pack for the phone and stuff like that it has a little bit of like a solar panels that you can use uh, but i generally keep it charged and um like the headlamps the flashlights they're all lithium power still all recycle like rechargeable and stuff like that and i i don't know i i try to keep conscious of like how we can be sustainable with um energy sources so i'm all for switching a lot of my gear to solar or any kind of uh, renewable and that kind of stuff um can be a bit pricey but i don't know what are your thoughts about that like i like we do cook with propane and all that stuff too like what yeah i know we talked about solar powered cooking and all that stuff before like what are your thoughts of just having a, a renewable energy source I think um, one one issue you can run into with some of that stuff is just the the quality. Um, if you have a solar cooking source, uh, that's this fancy new gadget you bought. That's you know when you're using it is going to be a lot more energy efficient. Um, I don't know of too many products like that on the market for backpacking that are really usable. So right. if it's not something you're going to want to use, then it's just a chunk of plastic yeah that makes sense i mean that's a pretty new space too like a lot of yeah. gadgets are switching their energy sources from stuff that we traditionally use to something that is um i guess people say that are more sustainable for the future but not necessarily there yet mm-hmm. i would say um for me uh Trade-offs to keep in mind are things like um, I have uh, a pro- one of those little mini isobutane stoves um, where you screw on the fuel tank and light it up, um, and those are great, super convenient. Um, they're, the fuel, I don't think, is like super bad for the environment. It's like worse than not using it, but uh, better than um, some of the alternatives. It, like It burns really clean and efficiently. Um, puts out a lot of heat and boils water really quick. Uh, One issue that you run into with those are those um, aluminum containers are difficult to recycle in some places. Mm. Like I know one thing I thought was really cool was I think it was Algonquin Park or one of the parks that was in in Ontario in their trash area, they also had like a spot for empty canisters. Um, But I know that's that's also a dangerous space because if you just have that that bin of like gas canisters sitting there and somebody puts them in with, you know, people put various ones with a little bit of gas in them. There's out there in the elements and they start to, you know, corrode a little bit or something. I don't think, I think they're fairly safe, but I mean, I don't know what kind of issues come up from that. Yeah. You never Um, know. 
So I think there's there's trade-offs there of like it's really clean, but you might want to make sure that you can actually like recycle those containers because otherwise they're just going to go sit in a landfill somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, Will, you use um, you use the white gas stove, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, wait, which one is that? That's the... No, actually, the, no, I... the liquid one. Oh, yeah, the liquid, yeah. It's like the one we used when we were ki- uh, camping. Right. Yeah. That's Teddy says she loves that. Yeah. I, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Cause that you, you fill it with alcohol. So you have to carry like, um, a thing of like cooking fuel in your, cause it goes through fuel pretty quick. Like you can, mm-hmm. on like a three, four day camping trip, you can go through like a plastic, like a, one of those drinking reusable or not reusable, <laughs> one of those disposable drinking bottle, water bottle size things full of, of alcohol. And it's a little scary cause you have to carry this like explosive thing of fuel with you. <laughs> it, um, like, I mean, it, it's not much different than carrying uh, compressed explosive gas. I mean, I remember that time we were winter camping and we had the little plastic bottle full of cooking fuel in the fire, like we're sitting around the fire and the fire was like melting and creating a slope and the bottle yeah. of cooking fuel like sl- started sliding towards the fire. <laughs> that would have been mm-hmm. bad. Um yeah, but I guess that would have also been bad if it were. Uh, uh, I would say gas. whenever you have something under pressure, that scares me more because if something happens to that, it explodes, whereas uh, fuel could likely just like lead to a bigger fire. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'm just imagining right now, uh, Will, with your, your alcohol. It's like one for the fire and one for Will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, don't <laughs> I don't know how good that would be for your like overall health but yeah the, i mean the stove's cool I, I i i would say that it produces less waste because it's refillable so like you, i don't know how to mm-hmm. refill the compressed gas I, you probably can maybe i don't know for a fact I one way or another i think it gets dangerous with those um and they have regulations against it just because they have to like the, the canister to be refilled you want to make sure it's still like very capable of holding that pressure or it gets dangerous really fast right. so once it gets past that first those usually aren't really designed to make it that far past that first life cycle. I could be wrong though. There could be, especially in like some startup camping space, some cool tech. Um, this is great. Listeners, if you know anything, um, shoot us an email or something, let us know, uh, tweet at us. But I don't think there's a good way to refill those, um, yeah. at least not the small mm-hmm. camping size ones. Um, another interesting option, and I think most people in the backpacking space do this for weight saving as opposed to environmental impact, but there definitely is an environmental impact, is uh, cold meals and cold cooking um, where you don't bring a stove, where you plan your meals around like, I'm just going to soak this rice in water and eat cold, soggy rice, or <laughs> I'm going to bring something that doesn't need you know, boiling water added to it, essentially. Right. Um, so I think that definitely cuts out a lot of um, a lot of this waste. It also I think would make your meals a lot less enjoyable. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could so, always you can always add a little bit of heat, like make a little campfire and and uh, heat up some marshmallows or something. So that's yeah. that's another another thing I was going to talk about is is campfires and their effects on the environment. Yeah. Um, depending on the area, like it can be very. Um, taboo to kind of go collecting firewood around locally and you got to be really careful when you do that with the guidelines of the park um, and think about the impact you're going to be having because like you never take anything alive that's probably a go-to everywhere number one Um, but 
but even like underbrush in some places like taking and collecting dead wood and stuff like that it can be good if it's kind of part of the mentality of how they're maintaining the forest and making sure there aren't wildfires and stuff like that i know um in algonquin park and a lot of the backcountry stuff in ontario uh it's very acceptable to go pick up dead things when you're out in the brush mm-hmm. brush because you can't be carrying in wood with you but um that is still like part of the environment and there are probably bugs and stuff like that that are relying on some of that to remain there for their shelter that'll then feed into you know the life cycle of the local ecosystem so i think there's trade-offs with that plus then also like a campfire is not very clean um that being said maybe if you're planning on having a camping campfire and you're set on that anyway uh, that is a good way to like if you already have a fire going you can definitely boil water like bring some sort of kettle that you could hang over the fire boil some water mm-hmm. um, and cook that way because um, at least then you're not doing two polluting two separate polluting ways of cooking does that make sense yeah mm-hmm, for sure i mean one to keep warm one to heat up your food i mean you're basically you're reusing the same energy source so mm-hmm uh one thing that i like to talk about is uh, the use of chemicals um i don't think i do a really good job for example bug spray sunscreens uh any kind of soaps and toothpaste and that kind of stuff um yeah i kind of want to cut back a little bit on the bug spray i'm not i'm going to be eaten alive because of my blood type but yeah just wanted your thoughts on on the use of chemicals just bring that stuff in yeah, so for for me, um, I've always been fortunate, very fortunate in the fact that I've got one of those blood types that aren't as attractive to mosquitoes <laughs> as other people's. So my best bug spray is usually bringing a buddy who attracts more bugs. Jeez, thanks. Um, so <laughs> yeah. so I can and there's there's always seems to be someone in my camping groups, um, but um, so I've been able to limit uh, contact with bugs. I know I also have. Uh, I don't know. I haven't got a great feel for how well they work, but I bought some um, in Canada. Mark's Work Warehouse has some of those um, clothing lines that come with uh, bug treatment on them that's supposed to last for so many washes um, using DEET alternatives. I forget exactly. I think we've talked about this in a previous episode, actually, um, but some alternatives to bug spray. I think Don't we have a whole episode on bugs? We do. We um, do. So... It might be good for our listeners to go back and check that one out where we, we talk. I think I even talk about getting this clothing because um, we were talking about a buggy trip we were going to go do. Yep. But some great alternatives um, and some less harmful chemicals. Um, I think some of the stuff that lasts longer in treating gear can I th- also probably be better for your skin, but better for the environment because you're not using aerosols as much. Or even just if you do want to use the DEET spray, use the kind with the like the pump top instead of the aerosolized version yeah i feel like the aerosol one just gets on everything and no one wants that mm-hmm. um yeah what, what are your thoughts will um yeah i agree that clothing is cool i think i honestly believe that we spend a lot of energy and create a lot of waste trying to like separate ourselves from the environment and i think there's a certain amount of like do the thing that deals with like 80% of the bugs, but the quest mm-hmm. to get past that like 80% of like into like the a world of like complete freedom from any bug bites, like get, you know, pushing into the 90, 99%. Um, 
I begin to think that's a fool's errand and, and, and you get diminishing returns um, right. on, on your investment. And I, I know people will buy things like, you know, these like they're supposed to create like an area free of mosquitoes or they'll just spray like, you know, humongous amounts of DDT. I don't know that it's like bad for the environment, but it's just like a mindset, you know, of like you want to go out in nature, an environment in which like mosquitoes and insects like that, you know, are a big part of the ecosystem you're going to get bit and um, you obviously are going to do some things to protect yourself. But I think it's important to like kind of, you know, pour one out for the homies or whatever, except that some (laughs) mosquitoes are going to get you. And as a mindset, I think that'll steer you in the direction of being more in balance with your environment. Because, you know, if you live in Ontario, you live in a place where that's part of being outside and take reasonable precautions, but um, kind of like, I just, I guess I'm, I see people who really go to an extreme and I think that, you know, it's probably expensive, unpleasant, and you're so fixated on yeah. getting bitten. You know, one of the things I know like about getting bit is like it itches more if you scratch it. Like your mindset does matter in these things. And I think having mm-hmm. a bit of like, I'm going to be hot or I'm going to be cold. I'm going to be bitten. I'm going to be, you know, my food isn't going to be just the way I like it. Like being willing to make do with less, it's just more in line with like the na- nature and you're going to end up not needing as much stuff and you're going to not um, produce as much waste. So I think like that's a good mm-hmm. mindset to have. Yeah. And I, I think that's something that we talk about a lot is uh, you got to embrace that suck. So. Yeah. Embrace the suck. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you gotta you gotta embrace it. You also gotta prepare for it. Um, I think proper prepara- proper preparation prevents um, a lot of future issues, um, a lot of wasteful scenarios. Uh, rather than last minute grabbing a, a thing of bug spray, um, we have like if you know you're gonna be going in super buggy, you can bring some bug like some mesh clothes too, like the netting. Um, can be helpful Um, I think another thing it comes back to campfire if you're going to be having a campfire anyway and get closer to that good good smoke um, engulf yourself in that smoke that does a lot I think to some extent it is good to use some bug protection especially with the prevalence of uh, ticks right now Mm, and Lyme disease I think that's a growing concern Uh, but on the flip side of that I recently actually had a minor uh, Lyme disease scare where I was getting, um, I had actually, I think, side effects from uh, COVID vaccine corresponding with a tick that I had pulled off myself on a, like, an outdoor trip um, that had left a bit of a mark that I was worried about. Um, so I went and talked to a doctor about the protocols for Lyme disease. And I think one big thing that people could do, and I'm not going to say that this is going to prevent you from getting Lyme disease, but a big thing would be do make sure you check yourself. Um, when you're done for the night, if you haven't, uh, you know, especially if you're trying to cut back on bug spray and stuff like that, which is great for the environment, check yourself because if you can catch a tick early before it um, latches on and sits for too long, the, the treatment for Lyme disease standard protocol is um, if you've detected a tick that's been on you for more than 24 hours and it's within the first 48 hours then that's the like danger window of they're going to prescribe you antibiotics because you're most likely to get Lyme disease if you catch it super early um, like I talked to a doctor and they said I could get tested for it but uh, if you catch it early enough the, the chances of you actually having Lyme disease from that are significantly lower um, so make sure you also have like some sort of tool to pull them uh, i actually just got a cool tick puller thing for my dog because he had a tick the other day um, but having some effective way of removing it um, 
I will tell you, my way of removing my tick was not very effective. It involved um, my dad, after having too many beers, um, <laughs> with a lighter and a pair of needle nose pliers. Oh and I'm pretty sure the mark in my armpit is a small burn, not uh, an infection from the tick bite. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> but... <laughs> get a tick pull or something like that and that can save you and then you don't have to worry quite as much because i think that's one of the biggest worries in north america anyway um, with bug protection i think especially in canada there's a lot less mosquito-borne illness although it is still definitely a thing to watch out for um but yeah i think embracing the fact that you are going to get some bug bites um, would go a long way for also just making your trip more enjoyable yeah Mm -hmm. For sure. Mindset goes a long way because it's like you're never going to create an exhaustive list of all the things that you should or shouldn't do or, you know, like and even even with like clothing, like, you know, I think about like, okay, I'm going to get like the nice Patagonia fleece and that's good. And oh, it turns out fleece is actually really bad because of microfibers. And so, okay, I'll I'll get this other thing. And then, oh, you know, that's bad for other reasons. You can't win. The thing is buy less, (laughs) you know, the thing isn't buy buy the right thing. It's like buy less of the stuff. You reuse it. Um, and, and, uh, you don't need, you know, but, but I agree with Ethan's point about preparation. Cause one of the things I think about is that I sometimes feel like there's too much hype around like, oh, you know, invest in, uh, you know, you need new biking boot, hiking boots or whatever. So I'll go hiking in sneakers, but then I destroy my nice sneak, well, Bing sneakers that he gave me, I, I destroy them. And <laughs> I, I still come back to that as like, that was a mistake because I thought I was being like crafty or something, but I ended up just bringing the wrong tool and then it caused, it damaged it. And then I lost, you know, another ruined. So yeah, I, I mean, kind of feel like there's a balance there. Going to that point, like I, I look at um, sustainability and clothing in general. Uh, I see a lot of marketing around it, especially like mm-hmm. some brands advertising, like they reuse a lot of their scraps or they using recycled bottles from the ocean, that kind of stuff. Like I kind of buy into that stuff. Like I, I, I bought a couple of pieces here and there, but like in the, the grand scheme of things, like you're still consuming those items you're still buying yeah. into the the marketing that they they um they produce uh, and at the end of the day like are you going to be using it are you going to be using alternatives less and that kind of stuff um and what happens to that uh the the life cycle of the product that you brought anyway so like yeah i think i think that's a good point is if if you have um a chance to buy if you're looking at buying new gear or equipment one thing I always do, and part of it for me is out of frugality, but um, yeah. I think environmental impact is also a big side effect um, and a big reason to do this, is just think about, do I already have something that uh, that does this well enough uh, to get me, like, do I really need this new piece of gear, or could I use this other piece of gear I already have? Um, especially, I mean, if you've already bought something and then you find out that, like, hey, it's really bad, this thing you bought is really bad for the environment, the worst thing you can do is not use every, like, use it until it can't be used anymore, unless it's actively polluting. Like, if you buy a sweater that's made out of material that's not good for the environment when it's thrown away, your answer when you realize it's bad for the environment shouldn't be to throw it away and get something that's better (laughs) for the environment. It should be to use that until it can't be used anymore. Uh, Find as much life... um, make make the consume as much of whatever that product's supposed to give you as you can before you um, throw it out otherwise it's going to like 
it's everything's bad for the environment in some way when we're taking raw materials and turning them into something else. I think there's very few things that aren't. So it's all about like maximizing our gains and minimizing the hurt we do to the environment for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's def- thing. most definitely. Like I, I want to try to pack less. Like I can never get a good sweet spot on like how much to pack and what do I really need. It's like I may need another T-shirt because I may get sweaty and I might want to change out. But is that really needed? Not really. So you kind of get stuck inside that mindset. It's like I want some backups, but do you really need it? Yeah. I would, um, in a, take a quick pivot here um, and cycle back to something that Will brought up earlier in the episode, which was talking about dehydrating food, mm-hmm. um, which I think is one of the biggest things for me I would like to improve because um, on my trips, I always bring out all my garbage that I bring in with me, um, but I'm still making garbage. And a lot of that garbage comes from individually packed food items um, and plastic bags and trash bags and things like that that I'm using to keep all of this uh, stuff, this stuff separated. Um, so I think for me, one of the big things I'd like to try and do that I think would have an immediate um, impact in my environmental footprint is switch to, you know, if, as soon as I start dehydrating my own meals, then I can choose how I pack them. Um, and I've been looking recently um, at some alternatives to, I use a lot of Ziploc bags. That's one thing I'm really bad for. Um, and but so you know, they've got these yeah, they're super useful, but you can get alternatives that are reusable. I've even seen, like, they look just like Ziploc bags, but a little bit thicker, made out of, like, uh, rubbery, silicone type material. And uh, you can make your dehydrated meals, put them in those containers that can be re-washed and reused when you're done, um, and then you have a much less um, wasteful food storage and also garbage storage. Um, I think having that trash, also things like um, containers for things like toothpaste and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. Um, I usually will just bring a regular tube of toothpaste, which I think I'm using it at home anyway, so I'm not really, I think the only way I could improve that is if I overhauled how I consume toothpaste at home too, Um, but I think I have in the past used those little travel toothpaste just to like save space and save weight. I think that's kind of wasteful. And when you're bringing like little containers of um, like little disposable containers of single use items like that, I think that adds up. So things, if you really need to save the space, like buy some sort of containers that you can put the stuff in. Um, I'd say for toothpaste in that that specific (laughs) example, and most of the stuff I bring just suck it up and bring a full tube of toothpaste, yeah. whatever's in it. Because even right. buying a container, I, I see a lot of outdoor hack stuff of like, oh, you can be more environmentally friendly by buying all these little containers. And I'm sure that could be more friendly. But if you're already buying the tube of toothpaste to then just put some in a container, that's eventually just going to be more trash in a landfill. Like, I don't know. I feel like yeah, that's I imagine, also. I'm just imagining like you fill out the toothpaste and one of those like icing, like cake icing tubes and kind of just like squeeze it out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there, there are a lot of like those little plastic bottles and stuff that you can get for shampoo and stuff like that and i mm-hmm. i mean if it's the difference between a few like a, a lot of weight and you really need i'm for one i just don't bring shampoo when backpacking that's not something i want to bring with me um because it's really bad for the environment even if you get the biodegradable stuff but i don't know i think uh, there are a lot of like gimmicky little plastic containers so you're not 
producing waste, but you're using, like, you're putting something in it that you took out of a disposable package that you're going to throw out anyway. Like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's, <laughs> it's just even more waste to make you feel like you're using less. Yeah, I mean, getting to that net zero uh, is, is really hard. Like, all the stuff that, com- that you buy comes in the packaging itself. And just seeing that if, it can, if you can offset it, maybe it's worth it. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's a good th- that's a good point to keep in mind too. I think um, one of the biggest topics that I have around just sustainability in general is travel, like getting to the campsite itself. Um, that's a tough one because they're usually you know way outside of the city. Uh, you can't really get there without driving. Mm. Um, biking might be a bit of a trek, but it's doable. Uh, yeah, it's that's a that's a tough one to solve. I think that's that's one thing I've wrestled with when we've done our camping trips too, um, especially like our, our Algonquin trip where it was um, where there was I think we ended up being four of us all driving at least two hours to Algonquin Park. Yep. And because of the timing of the trip and how we were getting there, we all ended up being in separate vehicles, which I think is just like the worst way we could have done it. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think. Like ride sharing is one yeah. way to, to take care of some of that. I know also um, Algonquin Park has, in particular, has shuttles to certain to and from certain areas as an alternative. I've always looked at that more as like when I didn't have a car, that would have been how I'd go camping. I know mm-hmm. like I think from Ottawa you can take some sort of shuttle to parts of Algonquin Park. Um, I don't. Yeah. I'm assuming and- there's something like that from Toronto. There's, it's all across um, the, the continent, too. Like, I know when I was in San Francisco, there were shuttles to Yosemite and stuff like that. So it's, it's not an uncommon thing. I think, I think if there's a, a popular place and there's a metropolis nearby, there's always services like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, my feeling on that is that it's important to be cons- considerate about it. And, yeah, I agree. Like, carpool when you can. Uh, if you can ride your bike, ride your bike try to avoid like doing big outdoor trips that require you to like fly or drive longer than you would be like actually doing the activity. Like I'm thinking about folks that like, you know, will uh, spend all this, you know, fly across the country to go for a weekend in the Grand Canyon. And it's like that one flight probably produces more greenhouse gases than like massive carbon footprint there. Yeah. Like But I, I, at the same time, I could see myself, you know, flying to do some outdoor adventures um, at some point in my life as well. Mm-hmm. I th- so, you know, maybe consider buying a carbon offset or at the very least just being thoughtful about it and trying to, like, consider, like, that everything has a consequence on the environment. And if you're going to do that, you know, maybe make sure that you can take the time to really make it worthwhile. Like, don't just do a, a one-off type of thing. Um, for a short period of time, try to make it, you know, stay close to home. And if you can, and if you feel like going further abroad, then just try to really like pack a lot into that trip to, to mm-hmm. kind of make, make sure you it. planned, make sure you plan outright, like how you want to get there, what you will bring, what kind of activities you'd be doing. I think that's kind of the best way to keep on top of this stuff is just make sure you have that plan. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I, I think one thing to always keep in mind too, um, and this is definitely not to be taken as like a don't go do things in the outdoors because you'll do <laughs> bad things to the environment. I don't think that's what we're saying at all because we're all big adventurers. But yeah. 
it's just something to keep in mind while you're out on the trail is, um, this trip is probably bringing enjoyment to you and you and maybe your group alone. Uh, and the, but the environmental impacts will affect a lot more people. So it's, yeah. it's, um, keep that in mind. The reach of the negative impacts are a lot further than the reach of the positive impacts. So make sure you're weighing that when, uh, taking considerations for your trip. Totally. Mm-hmm. And like, don't exoticize, you know, it's so easy to think, oh, you know, the only way to really do an outdoor trip is to like go to Yosemite and have this like Instagram experience of like epic nature. But, you know, in Ontario, we have incredible outdoors adventures available. So, you know, like be sure to give a lot of weight to your own backyard. You might be surprised what you'll find. There's a lot of cool stuff to do Absolutely, wherever you live. I'd say on the flip of that, too, um, one thing. I'd like to stress before we wrap up the episode is um, a lot of this can seem daunting. We've talked about a lot of um, like taking things further and how we could be better um, at having less of an environmental footprint. Um, But we do continue to go and do things outdoors while working on this. And it's, you can always do better. um, But even if you feel like, I feel like one issue that people might run into is, Uh, just thinking that, you know, I can't do all of this stuff. I can't have a net zero carbon footprint. So why even try? Um, I think every Mm. little bit helps. So, so do what you can, uh, plan ahead and really just, um, try and be mindful and uh, do what works for you. I know uh, there might be people with differing needs where it might just be less possible to have less of an environmental footprint, but really, really just take some time and think about it and be considerate of of others and the environments and um, just try and keep that in mind when, when doing this outdoor adventure. hundred percent. I think that's a great note to end on. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. do more, do what you can. Don't like not go outside because of what you heard here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Cause I mean, the alternatives too are, could be even worse for the environment than you walking down a trail. Yeah. On that note. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, On that note, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Um, As always, uh, check out our website, thetrailbusters.com, or hit us up on social uh, or email us. Uh, All of our stuff is at the Trailbusters. Um, If you like the show, make sure to follow, tell a friend about it. Um, Thank you so much to Will's fiance, Therese. I don't think we've really thank her very much for the intro and outro music uh it's wonderful um and for the trailbusters i'm ethan i'm bing and i'm will and we'll see you on the trail and i want to give a shout out to alistair one of our new listeners who really likes the show so if you're listening alistair uh, rock on and that's a wrap <laughs>